already uh, are a winner if you found this place tonight. So, how many of you guys have uh, been in this building before? Anybody? Oh, actually, quite a few of you. Oh, there you go. I had never been in this building before. So, but you know what? We're really uh, we're really grateful that um, it's not our usual spot, but the fact that USC let us use it. They said we're kicking out of the campus center, but we'll let you take this spot. So I said we will, and we decided we go ahead and meet here. It's either that or outside. So we're glad uh, you guys all made it. Hopefully, uh, anyone else that's still looking will find it eventually. But and by the way, Sarah and the media team, thanks so much for putting together that video. Uh, I think a lot of us would be lost without it. So good job. <clears throat> Uh, tonight, we're, uh, we're continuing a series entitled Rethink It, and we're asking questions in this series that we really think can really uh, begin to shape uh, different parts of your life and reshape different parts of your life. And the idea that we've been going off of in this series is that as we face uh, difficulties and as we face uh, different thing, areas in life, um, whether it be academics or, or making friends or getting to know God or being a good employer, whatever it is, when we're facing difficulties in those areas of life, that we would not just kind of throw up our hands in frustration or anger uh, when, we're, when we're not sure uh, how to do it or things aren't going exactly the way that we planned, but instead we would stop and we would ask a different question and we would rethink it. Uh, just like we talked about Andy Groves um, with Intel did years ago when, when their company was on the verge of, of bankruptcy, uh, they uh, got in a room and they asked a question. They said, hey, we're about all to get fired, and they're probably going to bring in some new CEOs. Who, what would they do uh, if they were here in our shoes? And so they went out, and they answered that question. And they said, well, why don't we just go outside, come back in, and do exactly what they would do? And they did. And Intel became, once again, the thriving company that it is today. So tonight, I want to apply that same idea of asking a different question, of rethinking it to the area of dating. Um, but before I do, I wanted to show you just a a few pictures so you kind of get a little background of me. So uh, this is some of me here. So hey, look at that, right? I got one. Um, and uh, so that is me when I'm uh, two dates in to our relationship. Uh, she dropped me off at the airport. I was 18 years old, and she was a mere 19. So there you go. All right, next one. So that's us uh, about... Um, let's see, I think that was about a year and a half or so into dating, because it was the first time she came to visit me in California, so of course I took her to the beach, well, that's what you do in California. Um, she's from Oklahoma originally, so you know, being in California is pretty fun. Um, and then Zoom forward several years, and hey, what do you know, we got married. Um, and that was a fun day too. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, and then you know, you, you get married long enough, and then these guys come along. Um, you know, you start to have little kids. And so that's a... a that's the results of being married long enough. Um, but so that's my three-and-a-half-year-old Corey um, in the back. And then that's my son, William, who is just over one. And, uh, and that is my wife, Katie. So that's us. And uh, 14 years shrink down into about five seconds. So, um, so that's a little bit of us. So now, for most college students, when, uh, when the topic of dating comes along, I, I imagine there is a wide range of emotional triggers that might be coming up for you. Some of you guys might be thinking, man, I love dating. And other guys are thinking, I hate dating. And then some of you are saying, I'm just confused by dating. I have no idea what's going on as it relates to dating. Um, and there's probably some of you guys here that have had a fair amount of experience in dating. And then there's some of you that are thinking, I'm just excited for that first date. I really want that first date to come along eventually. And it will. Hold on. Um, but more than likely, all of you, 
are going to be facing uh, different challenges in your dating relationship. That's just the nature of relationships. And not everything is so clear-cut. You know, what to do and when to do it, and what to say and when to say it, and, and all that kind of stuff. It can be a little confusing from time to time. And we've all seen a fair amount of relationships, I'm sure, that, you know, whether it be dating or marriage, where we think, man, they started off well and they're, having, they're thriving. Like, I want a relationship like that. And then we've also probably seen our fair amount of relationships where we think, man, they started off well, but it went so south so quickly, or it's just they've totally just, you know, gone in a terrible direction. I'm not even sure I ever want to date. That might just scare me away from being single my entire life. Um, so that's why I think this area of dating is something worth asking a different question, or worth rethinking it. Now, some of you may also have the thought, now, you know, Jeremy, I already know I think all I need to know about dating, you know, my dating relationship is fine, I'm fine, I'm good. But I warn you, I think what you fail to realize is the report card for the decisions you're making now in dating, it hasn't come in yet. And in fact, it's not going to come in for probably another five or 10, maybe 15 years down the road in your dating relationships or in your marriage. Um, see, what the decisions you're making now and the things that you're putting into place in the dating right now, they're going to be determined uh, the grade you get and the quality of your relationships, you know, on into the future. And I'm 32 years old, and that's not that old, but it's old enough that I've begun to see some report cards coming in for different people that I know and that I care about. And uh, there's a lot of pain going on because of the decisions they made years ago when they thought, I know what I'm doing. But now it's fully coming to bear in their life right now. Um, so I'd encourage you, if you'll pay attention tonight, if you'll if you'll listen to some of the things that we're talking about, you can really uh, save yourself a lot of pain in the future, and you can really have some good dating experiences. So the question I want to ask tonight is how would a person go about dating so that it's good now and it's good later? How would a person go about dating so that it's good now and that it's good later? Now, I think this is a good question to ask because oftentimes I think what happens with most people is they get so focused on the first part of that thing, you know, the good now, that they either neglect or they just directly harm the second part, which is the good later. Um, but I don't, I don't think it has to be that way. I think you can actually have both. Um, so I want to look at tonight, how would a person go about dating so that it is good now and good later? And I think it starts off first with the angle of approach that we take to dating, the angle of approach we take to dating. Um, now, I think a person that's able to date so it's good now and good later they have a little different angle on dating than probably the average person, a little bit different perspective. Um, now, I was a college student myself once, and I've worked with college students for a number of years, and I think the angle or approach for the average person in dating can probably be summed up something like this um, in the next slide. It's, uh, what do I want now? What do I want now? Right? You know, who do I want to date now? What do, how do I want to date? When do I want to date? This all kind of flows out of the angle of, you know, what do I want now? Now, that's a natural angle, uh, that's a normal angle, but it won't guarantee that you're going to have dating be good now and good later. So we want to ask a different uh, question instead. We look at things from a different angle because what that could do, looking at it from that angle, it might get you what you want now, but it could make you blind or even sabotage what you really want in the future. So what are some other angles to look at? I want us to look at two different verses. First is 1 Corinthians 10.31. It says, so whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. This is the angle of what would glorify and bring honor to God. And this is a better angle than just asking the question, you know, uh, 
what did God command? Meaning, you know, is there a specific verse that says what I can and cannot do in dating, and what is that? Um, this angle is better because it's, it includes that, but it's even broader than that. When you're looking at dating from the angle of bringing glory and honor to God, um, unclear areas that were unclear before, they begin to get a little bit clearer, and we'll talk about that in a bit. Now, if you aren't a follower of Christ, I still think looking at dating from this angle will really help you. But if you are a follower of Christ, this isn't just a wise idea. It's actually a command to look at things from this angle. Then the second angle is this. It's found in Philippians 2, 3, and 4. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. This is the angle of what would be in the best interest of the person I'm dating. Now, notice what Paul says here in verse 4. He says, each of you should look not only to your own interest, meaning, hey, I know that you can't help but look at it from the angle of, what do I want? But as you're doing that, also look at it from the angle of, well, what's in the best interest of the person I'm dating? So for the remainder of our time, what I want to do is I want to look at three areas of dating. Who you date, how you date, and when you date. And I want to look at them from these angles of what would really glorify and bring honor to God and what would be in the best interest of the person I'm dating so that you begin to get a little bit of a flavor of, you know, how a person go about dating so that's good now and so that it's good later. So the first area, who you date. Now, I can't speak from a girl's perspective because I'm not a girl, but I can tell you from a guy's perspective that if you're looking at dating from the angle of, you know, just what do I want, uh, your criteria really isn't going to be much deeper than, like, she's cute and she laughs at my jokes, you know? And, uh, and that, that's not bad criteria. I mean, somebody's got to laugh at your jokes, you know? I mean, everybody's no one will. Um, and, but, you know, the thing is, um, eh, looks only last so long, and you can only laugh at the same jokes so many times. So, so what would looking at life, or what would looking at dating from the angle of what would glorify and honor God and what would be in the best interest of the person I'm dating at, what would that look like? Well, if God's word has something to say about it, you can be sure that it's going to be in line with what would actually honor and glorify him. And in fact, it actually does. Here in 2 Corinthians 6, 14 and 15, it says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what does righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? Now, how many of you guys know what a yoke is? Now, not talking about like an egg yolk, but you know, all right. If you go to the next picture, that, this, this is a yolk. A yolk is a wooden cross piece that, uh, that looks something like this, and it would be fastened around the necks of two animals, and they'd attach it to a plow or to a cart so they would begin to pull it in the same direction, kind of like this next picture here. And so if an animal was yoked to another animal, they were going to be going in the same direction. Whether they liked it or not, that was the whole purpose of it. And so what the Second Corinthians passage is saying is Christians and non-Christians, you guys should not be yoked together because, and the reason for that is because you guys have different values and you're going in different directions in life. And so it would actually not be in the best interest of either of you to date each other. Now, the reason is the goal in dating, you know, the longer you date, the goal is eventually that you're going to get closer to each other, right? Um, but if two people have a really different set of values and they're going different set of directions, they set a really low ceiling as to how close they can get to each other without either breaking up or without there having to be massive change in one of the two partying wives. And that really goes against another basic principle in dating, which is 
You want to date someone for who they are and who they're becoming, not because you're hoping to see, you know, some massive change in their life. Because that's not real love. That's not real acceptance if you're thinking, you know, I like you, but unless you make some major overhauls, we're done. You know what I mean? Like, that's not real dating. That's not real love. So if you're here tonight um, and you have not yet begun a relationship with, with Jesus and you're not a Christian yet, you know, I want to get in your corner. I, I, I want to speak to you guys just particularly first for a second here. Um, as a Christian, I want to give you a little bit of advice on this. My advice to you would be, I would not date a Christian. And I'll tell you why. Because they have an agenda. <laughs> They're going to try to change you to become a Christian eventually. And now, for a couple reasons. One, because they realize, you know what, having a relationship with Jesus is, is a really good thing. That's really good for you. That's not a bad thing. But also, they realize that, you know, God has really made it clear that Christians should date and eventually marry other Christians. So they're going to try to change you to become a Christian. Um, so this is what you know. If, if a Christian does ask you out, one of three things is eventually going to happen. I'm just telling you up front. One of the things is going to happen. One, uh, they're not going to date you very long, and they're eventually going to dump you because they realize this is not going anywhere. Or, two, they're going to try to pressure you to become a Christian, which, like I said, don't get me wrong, being a Christian is great, and you ought to become one. But you ought to become one in your timing when you want to, not because it's the next step in being with someone. Or the third option is these convictions that they say they hold as a Christian are going to be maybe actually different than what they actually live out, meaning they might be willing to marry a non-Christian even though God has made it very clear that they shouldn't marry a non-Christian. And Christian or not, who wants to be with someone who isn't willing to even live up to their own values, right? And if they're not willing to, if they're willing to compromise on a value like that, who's to say they're not willing to compromise on a conviction when they are married like fidelity? You know, just saying. So please, please, if you, if you are not a Christian, I'd encourage you, you know, date another non-Christian. Don't date a Christian. You know, make lots of friends with Christians, but don't date one because, honestly, you're better off. I'm just saying. All right, back to all of us. Now, if you want to date a uh, so it's good now and it's good later. Um, I'd encourage you, date someone who shares similar values and is headed in the same direction in life. It'll really honor God and it'll really be in the best interest of you and the person you're dating. And if you are a Christian and you aren't dating yet, a couple of things I'd suggest that you can begin to do now. One, um, begin to pray for a guy or girl that, uh, that God would bring along that um, is a Christian that really shares similar values to you. And the second, you know, Continue to walk with God yourself, um, especially in a community like this in Challenge where you really need some help. Because honestly, the odds of you finding a godly girl or godly guy in a group like this are a lot higher than if you're just randomly walking around on campus trying to find someone to date. So I'd encourage you to do that. Now, for myself, um, you know, by the grace of God and thanks to my parents and other people that really uh, showed me some of these principles before I started dating in college, uh, they, they really served me well because they kept me away from some things um, that I didn't want to get involved in. You know, when I was a freshman, before I dated Katie, I went out on a date with a girl who was in my English, English class. And uh, she was the starting setter on the, the volleyball team. She was cute. And she had talked about, you know, going on a missions trip and going to church, all this other Christian-y stuff. So I'm thinking, hey, you know, this might be a good thing. Um, this may work out. So we went on a date, a date. And, uh, and we got to know each other a bit. And, and I don't remember all what was said uh, during the course of the day. I do just remember getting a clear picture as we began talking that, you know, okay, this person really has 
That's some good music. Hey, it's I Love Lucy. Um, but they, uh, but I just remember getting a clear picture. Okay, this person does not have the same values um, as me. They, they, they aren't going the same direction. So that was our first and our only date. And now, I mean, I, I didn't know the trajectory of where her whole life was going or the trajectory of my. I just knew at the time we had different values. So our lives are probably going in different directions. So I went ahead and just stopped it at one date. And we did begin to lose contact with each other over the course of time, or you know, we kind of faded away. But we were Facebook friends. So, you know, over the course of the next four plus years, I would get little snippets of what was going on in her life and things that were going on. I'd see them pop on my feed. And you know what? Our lives actually really did go in some really different directions. And so I'm so grateful that I had learned some of these principles earlier on in dating because they saved me from a lot of just needless pain and they saved me from probably getting pulled in a direction I really didn't want to go. So that's who you date. Now, how you date. This is the second area. In the Bible, there are really two, um, two big ways of relating to one another that are really shown over and over and over again in the Bible at, that are really both honoring to God and that are really in the best interest of the people in the relationship. And one of those ways is encouraging one another. It's encouraging one another. Hebrews 3.13 says, But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Now, this is applied in all relationships, but it's true in dating, too. See, in Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 also speaks to something similar to this. And what you see over and over and over again in these verses and all throughout the Bible is we are being called to encourage one another because it not only builds us up, but it also keeps us from moving backwards in our own lives. And then the second big way of relating that both honors God and is a real blessing to other people is the way that we challenge each other, the way that we challenge each other. And really one of the best ways that we really challenge each other is as we set the pace for each other in different areas of our life. As we set the pace for each other, we're really calling each other forward um, to step up and to really become all that really God has designed us to be. A great example of this is 1 Chronicles 20, where David is now the king of Israel. And he's leading his men into battle against these descendants of uh, Rapha, who are, who are just this, it's this race of giants. Um, now, remember, David, if Eric talked about him a little bit last week, David, um, the reason he became famous is because when he was a teenager, he killed a Philistine giant named Goliath because the previous king, Saul, and all of his army were too scared to fight him. Now, so now David's king, and this is, this is what's going on in his reign. Since 1 Chronicles 20, verse 4 through 8, it says, In the course of time, war broke out with the Philistines at Gezer. And at the time, Sibekai, the Hushathite, killed Sippa one of the descendants of the Raphites, and the Philistines were subjugated. In another battle with the Philistines, Elhanan, son of Jar, killed Lami, the brother of Goliath the Gittite, who had a spear with a shaft like a weaver's rod, which just meant it was huge, which meant he was huge. Um, and it's still another battle which took place at Gath. There was a huge man with six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. I always think of Princess Bride when I read this. Uh, Twenty-four in all. He also was descended from Rapha. And when he taunted Israel, Jonathan, son of Shimea, David's brother, killed him. These were descendants of Rapha and Gath, and they fell at the hands of David and his men. Now, wouldn't you like to see a movie like that on a date? Like, wouldn't that be a perfect, like, you know, Kodak moment to see a movie like this? Um, but what you see in here is there are giant killers all over the place. You know, uh, I can just imagine people, you know, having conversations back then, like, hey, so what would you do this week? I killed a giant. What would you do? I killed two. Huh. 
that's pretty cool. All right, what's, what are we going to do this weekend? And, and they go on with their day. Like, giant kills were a dime a dozen back then. But just a few years earlier, when Saul was king, there wasn't a single giant killer in all the land. Why is that? Well, I think the reason is because David challenged his men in setting the pace, and they were called forward to really be all that God had designed them to be because they were seeing David's example. And so they were courageously called forward to do what they knew they needed to do. Now, I don't think many of you guys are going to be doing any giant killing on your dates. So I want to give you some practical ways that you can be encouraging and challenging each other while you're dating that um, some different things that honestly really helped me in college and I think could really help you too. You may be already, are already doing some of these. And they still help me in my marriage now. Two ways that you can really encourage each other are with your words and with your acts of kindness. With words or with acts of kindness. Maybe picking up it may be something like, you know, picking up her favorite uh, snack or favorite drink, you know, just in the middle of the week as a way just to encourage her. Maybe there's a busy season coming up for them and there's a test coming up and you, you know, get them something just to really encourage them. I remember one time in college, <clears throat> it was, I think it was during a finals week, if I remember correctly, and um, I had a bunch of work and a bunch of finals back-to-back. I mean, everybody does. It's finals week. But uh, I had one, like, late night and I had one the next morning. I was staying up late and Katie woke up really early at her place one morning. I had like an 8 a.m. final, and she made cinnamon rolls, and she made eggs, and then she drove over to my place and like knocked on my door as I was leaving for my final and gave it to me to eat. And I was thinking, I could marry you right now. <laughs> like, this was amazing. Like, I mean, who does that, you know? Well, she does that. That's why I married her. Um, and so, you know, it, it, was, it was awesome, but that, you could do that through acts of kindness. You know, you could do things through words, maybe, maybe you text someone uh, that you're dating, you know, just an encouraging word or something you're praying for them about, uh, just asking how their day's going. Um, or maybe you get in the habit of just learning to write notes of encouragement, you know, writing things that you admire about the person or writing things, you know, that uh, something you've been learning in the Bible that you just thought they might be blessed by if you share. Um, you know, Katie and I did this all throughout college, and we had this huge box back at home uh, of just all the letters that we wrote to each other all throughout college. And a lot of those were really just, just timely bits of encouragement for each of us. And then you look at how to challenge each other. You know, when, when I would ask Katie in college, um, you know, how her time alone with God was going, and I would begin to see, like, what she was learning and how consistent she was in it, man, I was motivated to actually get after my time with God. I mean, when she would... Uh, see, you know, how hard I was working at my job in the cafeteria or with schoolwork, she was motivated to work hard in her areas too. Or as we both really sought to really maintain good friendships and as we both really sought to, to get around older uh, college students and staff that could really build into our lives as we also were trying to come along, younger students and build into them, man, that challenged each other because we would see each of us doing that. We're like, all right, she's doing it, I could do it, she's doing it, I can do it, she's doing it, and so on and so on. And then another way you can really encourage and challenge each other is by just having some fun together, learning to have fun together, have adventures, you know, be creative. One thing I think, honestly, you guys need to learn to do more is learn to take yourself less seriously and learn to take God more seriously. Um, too often times people take themselves way too seriously and they don't take God seriously enough. And if you'll flip that, if you'll actually learn to take yourself less seriously and God more seriously, Man, you're going to really encourage and challenge each other to be humble, to be teachable, and honestly, just to be more open and honest with how you're doing in general and in your dating. Because anyone that's trying to be perfect or trying to act like they have it all together, 
they're so closed off to sharing how it's going personally or in their daily life. Because after all, I take myself too seriously, you know. But if you'll just not and learn to take God more seriously, things will get a lot better for you. Now, before we move on to the last area of when you date, I want to give you some feedback and some thoughts on one more big how-to in dating, which is the physical part of your relationship. Now, I've never met someone, maybe you have, but I've never met someone who said, you know what, the downfall of my relationship was that we just weren't physical enough. We didn't get physically involved enough. That was the problem. No, I've never met someone who said that. I don't know if you have. But I have met a lot of people, and I know a lot of people that said, you know what, honestly, um, getting too physically involved while we're dating, that really hurt our relationship. And I have a lot of regrets and a lot of emotional wounds now as a result of that. And there's a reason for that. Check out what 1 Corinthians 6, 18-20 says. It says, flee sexual immorality. All of the sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body, meaning you're not just disobeying God. You're actually hurting yourself when you're doing this. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. So what I suggest to you all is, man, begin to develop, if you don't already have them, some clear convictions and some clear standards of this part of your dating relationship for your own sake, for the sake of the person you're dating, and because, honestly, it would really bring honor and glory to God, as the last part of that verse said. Now, some of you may be thinking, okay, Jeremy, well, outside of sex, um, what physical acts are need to be reserved just for marriage, and then which ones are maybe okay for dating? Like, like where's the line, Jeremy? Um, but remember how I said earlier uh, that asking the question, what would really glorify and bring honor to God, begins to make things just a lot clearer, things that were foggy before? So I want you to do something. I want you to think of a physical act that you might do with your boyfriend or girlfriend. Don't think too deeply. You know, that keeps you in trouble. Just, but just think of one. That you had a question about. And uh, now ask yourself the question, if God were in the room watching me do this with my boyfriend or my girlfriend, would he be glorified or honored by that action? See how things begin to get a lot clearer when you ask questions like that? You're like, I don't like asking questions like that. I just like it being ambiguous, and then I can do what I want. You know, it's like, nah, but when you begin to ask questions like that, things just begin to get a lot clearer, don't they? Now, as far as my personal convictions are concerned on this, I'm not going to tell you. But if you want to come to me afterwards and ask, I'll tell you. But up here, no, I'm not going to. Um, But one more thought on this, and then we'll move on. Just think about it logically. If there's someone you might end up marrying down the road, what's the rush in getting involved too physically now? I mean, you're going to have the rest of your life to enjoy each other physically. So what's the rush now? Or if you're not going to get married to them, it'd be better off to save as much of yourself as possible for your spouse, as much of them for their spouse. And even if you're thinking, well, you know what, we're both Christians. I think we are going to get married. In fact, I'm pretty sure we're going to get married, so I think it's fine. You know, I'd still say it's wise and it's right to wait. And a big reason for that is because if you get involved too physically earlier on in dating and then you get married, you actually really undermine the trust in your relationship which, by the way, is actually the foundation for intimacy and marriage. I don't know if you knew that or not. Um, and it undermines the trust in your relationship because, see, if your spouse or you're thinking, okay, wait, they had a conviction on in dating about these physical standards and they're willing to break it, who's to say when we get married 
when we both take a vow till death do us part and fidelity, they're actually going to hold those convictions. I don't know if I can trust them. See, that begins to undermine the trust right away when you get married. So I'd encourage you, have some clear physical standards. Communicate those with the person that you're dating and be on the same page with that. And then tell some close friends who can keep you accountable. One simple thing that Katie and I did uh, in dating that just really helped a lot is we just tried to have a general principle. We're not going to be in each other's rooms alone. I mean, so, and, you know, we went over to her place or we went over to my place and uh, her roommates weren't there and my roommates were there. We just go to a cafe or a coffee shop or go somewhere else on campus and hang out there. Um, for us, it was just a lot less tempting to get really physically involved in public. I, I've seen that happen here around campus, but for, you know, for us, you know, when I see those people, I want to be like, get a room. No, no, don't get a room. Um, in fact, just stop it. Just stop what you're doing right there. Like, um, just stop it. <clears throat> but you get what I'm saying. You know, there's a lot less temptation to just do things you probably shouldn't be doing in public um, if you have any sense about you. But so we've covered who you date and how you date and in a way that's really good, that's going to be good for your dating now and good later. So now we want to look at the last year, which is when you date. Now, when you date is really just the context in which you date. It's the context in which you date. See, when you're dating, guys, act like you're dating. Like, you're not married. So, like, you don't have to check in with each other on every little thing throughout the day, you know. I don't even check on every little thing throughout the day. I am married, you know. I mean, so if it's not going to, like, interfere with, if, I mean, if it's going to interfere with plans that you've already made, yeah, you ought to check in on each other now. But if it's not, you are not married yet. Just, so just relax and act like you're dating. Have planned dates, you know, have some occasional spontaneous times that you hang out as well. But one of the things I'd really encourage you guys to do too is get in some group situations with the person you're dating. Because one of the things that you'll, you'll start to see is a lot more of the character attributes and just different facets of a person come out in group settings that don't always come out in one-on-one situations. You know, anyone can put their best foot forward in a one-on-one situation. It's just mono e mono you know. But in a group situation, wow, different aspects you come out. So I'd encourage you to do that. And while you're dating, remember, there are going to be other priorities in your life that you're going to really want in there that are just as equal to or maybe even more important than your dating relationships that you don't want to, you know, have fall off. Things like your personal walk with God, you know, your schoolwork, developing close friends, your ministry. Dating, actually, guys, is really most enjoyable when all these areas are thriving, not when they all get put on the shelf just so that you can focus on the person you're dating. Now, if you don't like the person you're dating, making time for this other area is going to be really easy, you know. But if you're like me and you actually enjoy the person that you're dating, uh, that might be a little harder because you're going to be tempted to want to give all your free time to that person. So it would be wise, just like in the physical standards, to set some, some boundaries around the time that you have together uh, so that you're making time for these other areas that are really important to you also that you want to be making time for. And if you do this, you're going to find that both in the short run and the long run, uh, life's just going to be, dating's going to be a lot better for you. It's going to be a blessing for them and for you, and it's really going to honor God. And just like with the physical stuff earlier, if you get married, you're going to have all the time in the world to spend with them. So why do you need to, like, you know, go overboard on that when you're dating? And if you don't marry them, you're going to have to save yourself a lot of time putting too much time into a relationship that you're not going to take into the future with you. So it makes sense either way. Plus, you'll have more time for the things that you are going to take in the future with you, those other priorities we talked about. So one final story, and then we'll wrap up. See, when I was dating in college, 
um, I remember having a conversation with Katie about this, this kind of uh, topic right here. And um, we had probably been dating maybe a year, a year and a half or something like that, give or take two, five years, um, something like that, about a year um, into dating. <clears throat> and, and we had this conversation. It probably, it wasn't mostly for her. It was probably mostly for me just needing to externally process with her, but I had it with her anyway. And, um, and what I basically said is, uh, you know, I don't know if, if God is ever going to have us to get married or not. I mean, we had only been dating a year at that point. We didn't get married until like four and a half years in dating. So this was a, there was a big gap there in between. But, um, but I'd say, I don't know if we're going to, uh, if God's ever going to, you know, bring us together to get married someday. But what I do know is if we graduate here in four years and all we really have to show um, for these last four years is a marriage and a couple of college degrees, I'm going to consider that time misspent. You know, because that's too small of an aim. I told her, you know, I, what, what I really want for both of us is that we would really develop in college, you know, our character and our walk with God and buying up opportunities to really develop some close heart friendships um, and get training and get invested in by older Christians and also be a part of the link and the chain of turning around and helping younger people come to know Christ and grow up in Christ like I wanted those to be part of our experience and part of our growth and training in college, too. Not just that we dated, we got married, we got a college degree, and that's it. You know, it's like, that's boring. Um, and, you know, that really meant what I, t and as I told her that, I told her, you know, so what that really means, Kate, is we're going to have to really be intentional about when we do and when we don't hang out so that we're actually able to make time for these other areas in our life. Um, and, you know, as we sought to really do that, um, you know, we didn't do it perfectly by any means, but as we sought to really do it, man, we had a blast in college. Uh, we, we really enjoyed uh, those four years. Her five years, my four years, you know. Um, but we really enjoyed those years. Um, and more important, we really laid a foundation uh, for the rest of our dating and on into our marriage, which is really helpful. So how would a person go about dating so that's good now and good later? Well, they'd basically do this. First, they consider who they date, how they date, and when they date. And they look at it from the angles of what would glorify and bring honor to God and what would be in the best interest of the person I'm dating. And if you'll choose to do that now in your current dating relationships or in your future dating relationships, you too will be a person who can say, you know what, my dating's been good now and it was good later. And you'll really enjoy it a whole lot more. So learn to rethink and ask a different question. Let me pray for us and then we'll have the band uh, come back up. God, thank you so much uh, for just making life interesting and the fact that uh, we get to date and get married and have all that sorts of good stuff. And God, I really do pray um, there are some real good things in store for these people. If, uh, if they'll really take the dating angle that you really suggest in your word. But God, there also could be some real uh, casualties, some real pain. If, uh, if, if they don't. So I really pray over these people that they would really take uh, some of the things that were talked about tonight and, and some of the principles that they'll see in Scripture on their own uh, later on in life and really put those into practice in their dating relationships uh, so that they can not only enjoy dating now, but they can look back years later and say, I really enjoyed it then too, and it made all the difference. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.